Hey, thank you. Thanks, Josh. Appreciate having you. Thank you, honey. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Uh, that was amazing, huh? How about... Um, we're good? Uh, hi, my name is Dave. Most of you probably don't know me, but uh, my name's Dave, and my better half is definitely sitting up there, my wife, Terry. Uh, I'm so grateful uh, that God has allowed her to be part of my life. Um, and uh, I'm here, Pastor Mike asked if I could uh, fill in tonight or share some things from the Lord with you guys tonight, and it's a privilege to be able to do that. Um, is there any, any cries of a longing heart? Here tonight that wants to sing worthy is the lamb and that's something that last song when we were singing that worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive glory and power uh, what a great God we serve so tonight let's pray and then we'll get right to it okay because I don't want to waste your time all right let's get started Lord I thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to be in your presence tonight I thank you for your grace it is grace that affords us the opportunity to be here and to be able to honor you in this place. I thank you so much for your precious word. God, you've given us a book that is an amazing book. Um, we talk in, uh, in this class about words a lot, and uh, you're, the Bible says that every word of God is pure and that you're a shield to those that put our trust in you. So tonight we want to do just that. We want to put our trust in you and we want to be thankful uh, for all that you've done for us. And, and uh, Lord, you afforded us that opportunity uh, not lightly. It costs your only begotten son. He came and he, he uh, was born in a stable so that he might face the cross and rise again from the dead so that we could have life and have this opportunity tonight. So for that, we're eternally grateful and thankful. Help us to honor you, and whatever we learn tonight from your word, I pray, God, that you would help us uh, to be doers of that, that we wouldn't uh, be forgetful hearers, but we would recognize that, that it is a matter of knowing something. It's a matter of what we do that shows where we're really at with you. So with that in mind, I just pray that you'd help me to stay out of the way and help uh, your word to speak to us tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Uh, because of what I just said, I gave you an outline. And the outline is kind of simple. I'm going to try to stick to it for a couple different reasons. Uh, one, I'm not a professional at this like Mike, okay? So I tend to be able to get on a rabbit trail. And uh, so I don't want to do that. I want to be able to stick to the text so that we can do a good job and cover the material that, that's here. But you're not going to hear maybe a lot of verses if you're, you know, most of the people that are here I've seen before. So I'm going to assume that you come to church on a relatively regular basis or you're familiar a little bit with the Bible. You're, I, don't, I don't think there's anybody that's come in tonight that says, I don't believe in that Bible. I don't need that thing in my life. I mean, chances are you're here and you say, well, you know what? I do believe in the Bible and I want to find out what it says. So as a result of that, I want to stick to the text. So I thought, what could I do tonight? What could I share that would be practical? Um, many of the verses you've already heard, many of the verses you know, but you know what? It's one thing to hear a verse and know a verse. It's another thing to live it out in your life. Have you ever, have you ever faced, is that true? Is that a truism for you? That's been a truism for me. Sometimes I can know what God wants me to do, but knowing it and living it out can be two different things. And we want to make sure that we're living out the Word of God in our life. Um, so, regardless of whether you're here or whether you're you know, watching on the camera and you're home unable to be with us, I hope that a few things happen tonight. For some people, I hope that the message when we look at the Word, I hope it's convicting. For some people, I hope it's encouraging. I mean, I guess I hope it's encouraging for everybody at the end when, we're all set, when it's all said and done. But I hope there's conviction. I hope there's encouragement. I hope it uh, spurs you on to recognize uh, 
just to recognize how great a God that we have. All right, and I want to do that in a practical way through looking at some of our trials. So James chapter 1, you have a paper in front of you, so you've probably already turned there. But if you turn in your Bible to James chapter 1, let's read the first 12 verses, and then we'll get right into this, okay? James, a bond servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad. Greetings. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith, without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. But... The brother of humble circumstances is the glory in his high position, and the rich man is the glory in his humiliation, because like flowering grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with a scorching wind and withers the grass, and its flower falls off, and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. So too, the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Well, there's a lot there, isn't there, in those uh, few verses. And so if, we, if you turn to your outline, we can start there and we'll just work our way down through and kind of look at those verses. And I hope to give you a few thoughts that, uh, you know, at least what was on my heart. The Christian life is no buggy ride down Daisy Lane. That's the first thing you see on your paper. The Christian life is no buggy ride down Daisy Lane. Then I have a quote. Leonard Ravenhill was a pastor. He passed away several years ago now, but he had lots of good quotes, and this was one of them. He said this, The early church was married to poverty, prisons, and persecutions. Today, the church is married to prosperity, personality, and popularity. I think there's a lot of truth in that. Uh, it's been my observation that Oftentimes, the gospel that we hear promoted and see promoted isn't the gospel at all. And, you know, you don't have to, uh, you don't have to turn your TV on for long or turn your device, your phone, or wherever you listen to spiritual things. You don't have to turn those things on very long until you hear someone saying something like, you know what, just follow Jesus and you'll be healthy and wealthy and all your problems will go away. And that's the message that many people get and seem to somehow think that that's the gospel message. But you know what? Nothing could be further from the truth. You know, the Christian life isn't about living a life of ease. It's about living a life that's faithful to the God who saved you and the God that called you. Okay? And James screams that to us. Uh, in, in verse 1, Okay, it says this, a bond servant, he calls himself a bond servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. The Greek word that's used there for servant is a word called doulos, okay? And it, that same word is used by Paul. We all know who Paul is, right? Okay, the Apostle Paul who wrote most of your New Testament, he used that same word of himself in Romans chapter 1. He called himself a doulos, and what a doulos was was a slave, now, when we think of a slave, oftentimes it's a bad connotation. I mean, is that true to say we think of someone that's a slave? You know, someone here might say, my boss is a slave. You know what I mean? You know, he's a slave driver, makes me do things I don't want to do. But anyhow, we think of a slave as someone who's forcing us to do something that isn't right. 
But see, that isn't how James was reading that, using that term, nor Paul. In fact, the term means this. It's a slave who willingly serves. A slave who willingly served. See, before James became a Christian, and before Paul became a Christian, and if you're here tonight and you're a Christian, before you became a Christian, you were a slave to sin, wickedness, and unrighteousness. And through the Lord Jesus Christ, we have an opportunity to be a slave to Him and a slave to righteousness. And that's an amazing thing. So, if you're here tonight and you're a Christian, you say, you know what, I can put up with this guy for a little while. You know, I guess I can make it through 45 minutes of him yakking as long as he's talking about the one that saved me. And uh, so, that's what we want to do. So, let's go to verse 2. Verse 2 in your paper says this, Count or consider it all joy when you encounter various trials. Count or consider it all joy when you encounter various trials. Now, I don't know how you were, but before I was a Christian, I didn't count any, any trial as joyful. I didn't want any of them in my life. And, and you know what? It really didn't matter what I had to do to get out of them. Lie, cheat, steal, step on somebody, whatever the case may be. Have you ever been there? You don't have to put your hand up, but you know, inside think you're saying, you know, have you ever done that? I'll do whatever I got to do to get out of this situation. Doesn't matter if it honors God or it doesn't. But see, when you become a Christian, if you look on your paper, the next thing is Christians, we must evaluate our trials and make a conscious commitment to face them with joy. And that's not natural to us. That's not natural. See, the thing that's natural for us when a situation comes into our life where there's adversity or there's a problem, the thing that's natural for us is to take matters into our own hands and to complain about it. And you know, we were talking earlier, for example, if you're in the workforce, you know, you don't have to, it doesn't take you long before in your work, when you're in the workforce, before the people around you can be complaining about something. And you know what? Sometimes maybe they're even right. Maybe they're even right. But if you're Christian, you're called to a higher standard, aren't you? We're supposed to be grateful and do our work as pleasing unto the Lord, not with lip service just to please men. We have a different standard. We have a different standard that we live by as Christians. And so it, that becomes that those very situations that might seem uncomfortable to us become a, very, become a test as to where we're at with the God that we say we love and the God that we say we know. And um, let me just say this before I go on, since you don't know me. I would never, I would never come in here and share anything with you guys that I don't need myself. Okay, this is not, please, this is not me, I have my act all together, and, uh, and uh, you know, I'm in the same boat. I'm in the same boat. God, well, we'll see as we go through this. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Sometimes I do that. Okay, trials equal this. On your paper, it says, trials means to put, something to the, put someone to the test. Every, every trial becomes a test of our faith to strengthen the Christian. A wrong response leads to temptation. Okay? When we face a trial or a situation, a hardship in our life, some of them are really hard. I mean, you know, it could be loss of, you know, loss of someone's life. Uh, you know, it could be someone, you know, whatever, a physical thing, an ailment that you're facing. Those are big ones. I mean, it could be little things, okay? You know, it could be a little thing like, you know, oh, geez, I come out of the grocery store and I got a flat tire. I mean, that can be a trial, right? That can be a situation where we have an opportunity to either choose to do what's righteous that would please God in that situation or to fly off the handle and take things into our own hands. And if you're like me, probably are most of you, 
you've probably had times in your life where you've done it the right way and probably had times that you've done it the wrong way. And I guess what I would share with you is this. If we're Christians, if we're Christians, we want to move into a place where we're more consistently doing those things that we face in a way that honors God. You know, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here. I talked about rabbit trails while well, I'm on already. But let me tell you that, you know, everybody faces trials. Did you ever, you know, did you realize that tonight? Everybody faces trials. What you see on TV, that's not real life. Real life is this. You're going from one trial to the next trial. You're either in a trial, just came out of a trial, and you're not sure what the next trial is. But you know, think of this for a minute. If you're here today and you're a Christian, your next door neighbors that aren't Christians, they're facing trials too. And they're trying to do it without the Lord Jesus Christ. So what an opportunity there is for us to not only examine ourselves and see where we're at, but also give the God that saved us glory through going through our trials and situations in a way that please Him. So anyhow, I got rambled on there, but let's, let me say this. This is what I wrote on my paper. God hates sin. So as Christians, we need to hate it too. We need to hate it too. In fact, the Bible would say it this way. Abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. That means hate what's evil and cling to what is good. I don't know what you guys think of when you think about clinging to something, but this is what I think of. I think of some guy that's climbing a mountain, and he's clinging onto that with his fingers. And you know, sometimes, have you ever been in a trial that's a tough one? You say, you know what, this, I, I, didn't sign, I don't feel like I signed up for this. I don't like this very well. Well, as a Christian, you know what we do? We hate and push away the things that are evil in our life with one, on one side, and we cling, we cling to Jesus Christ and his word with the other one, never letting go, never letting go. That's what a Christian does. That's what we do. But you know what, we'll, we'll see this as we go through, but you and I, we haven't been left defenseless. We don't have the ability to do that on our own. We only do that through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the Lord in our life. But let me go on, okay? Philippians 4.4 on your paper, Paul said it this way, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Now, if you look in the first part of that, before I read that, do you realize where he said that from? Paul said that from prison. In prison. In fact, in prison, Paul wrote most of your New Testament. Now, Paul's a neat guy. Okay, Paul was a real Christian. He wasn't a TV Christian. Paul was a real Christian. Before his name was Paul, it was Saul. Okay, And the Bible says that Saul breathed out threats against, you know who he breathed out threats against? People like you and me. Back then they called it the way. But Paul breathed out threats. He was there when they killed Stephen. And he gladly got papers from the people that were supposedly the religious people. Okay? He gladly got papers to go and put people like you, people that say they believe in Jesus Christ, in prison or have them killed. That was Paul. That was Paul. But Paul was on the road to Damascus. And you know what? A light shined brighter than the noonday sun. And out of that light, he met a man named Jesus Christ. And his life became totally changed. In fact, he went from Saul that breathed out threats. His reason for living was to stop you and me from talking about Jesus Christ to saying this, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Did you get that? He wanted 
to kill you or lock you up or shut you up before he knew Christ. After he knew Christ, after he knew Christ, he said, you know what my reason for breathing is now? For me to live as Christ and to die as gain. See, that's a transformation that took place in Paul's life. And you know, if you're here today and you're a Christian, Jesus Christ is not interested in reforming you. It was a privilege I had for years to work in a jail ministry. Jesus is not interested in reforming you. He's interested in transforming you. And me, and me, and me sorry. Anyhow, anyhow, in Ephesians 6, it says this. I have this on your paper. It tells us to be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. To be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Now, I know you guys know those verses. If we open up our Bibles to Ephesians 6, it goes on to say this. You don't have to do that, but it goes on to say this. Okay, it says, uh, the reason you want to do that is because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Okay, that means the enemy that we're fighting, the host of demons and Satan and everything, it, you know, we don't see them with our eyes. We can't see them with our eyes, but there's a battle that's going on. You know, the Christian life, that would be a better word for it. It's not a buggy ride down Daisy Lane. This is a war. This is warfare, all right? And you and I, you and I aren't left defenseless. So what Paul does in the book of Ephesians in chapter 6, he says, you know what? You're going to face trials. Here's one of the things you can do. You can put on the whole armor of God so that you can stand strong against all the fiery darts of the devil. And he says, well, you know what? Here's what we'll do. We'll dress you up like a soldier. I know you guys know these verses, but they're very practical. You know when they're practical? Every moment of your life. I used to tell my kids, uh, you know, the most important decision you ever make is coming to know the Lord. The second most important decision you ever make is who you marry. And I said, then, you know what the next important decision you, you may ever make is? Your next one. Whatever it is. Because we have the opportunity moment by moment by moment to either destroy our testimony or give God glory in it. Give God glory in it. And I believe that's true. You know, but here's what, here's what uh, Paul tells us in the book of Ephesians. It's really neat. He says, therefore, since you're going to face this warfare in your life, these situations that come in that are going to, there's going to be temptation for you to be able to do things wrong. He said, here's what you need to do. You have to have your loins girded about with truth. The word there is aletheia. It's truthfulness. Okay, in other words, you want to live a truthful life. All right? A truthful life. And then he says, you know what? Then put on the breastplate of righteousness. Okay, the breastplate of righteousness. What that was is to have your emotions in control. It covered, it covered the bowels. And they said out of the bowels is where your emotions came from. And you need to, you need to if you, you know, let me ask you, have you ever faced a trial and not had your emotions in control? <laughs> I have. Pick me. Okay. Well, see, it's a maturing process. Trials are given in our life so that we can mature. Okay. He goes on to say this. He says, and have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, you know, this is what we think of peace. Someone said this one somewhere along the line. They said, you know, we, we define peace as the absence of conflict. Well, that's not a good definition of peace. That's not a good definition of peace. Peace is the presence of righteousness. See, you can be in a situation that's uncomfortable. You can be faced with a trial. You can be faced with a pain, an affliction, whatever the case may be. But you know what? If Christ is in the midst of that with you, if there's righteousness present, you can handle that. 
You can handle that. Then he goes on to say this in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, in addition to that, he says, take up the shield of faith, the thorian, the thorian, the, the, the shield where we hide behind so that we can quench all the fiery darts, some of your Bibles say missiles, of the evil one. Everything that comes at you, everything that's allowed to come at you, we're able to hide behind that shield and put our trust in the Lord that saved us. Then he says this, you put on the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation, you have to use your mind. You know, the helmet of salvation is where we realize and recognize and remember that when I became a Christian, if you're here today and you're a Christian, you were saved from your past sin, your present sin, and your future sin. You're secure. You're secure in who Jesus Christ is. You know, then he says this. He says, and take up the Machaira, okay, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, the Word of God, which we quench, you know, that's how we battle. The, word, the, the Machaira was the two-edged sword, not the broad sword that you'd whack somebody's head off with, the two-edged sword that you would use as an offensive and defensive weapon. We use God's Word offensive and defensively. In fact, you know, this just popped into my pint-sized brain, but didn't Jesus do that? What better example than him? When, when Satan was tempting him, he said, it is written, it is written, it is written. And he quoted from the book of Deuteronomy, he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What amazing God. What, you know, he didn't leave us defenseless. He gave us his precious word. That's what, uh, that's what I see here, anyhow. Well, let's go on. We better go on. Uh, James 1.3. James 1.3 says this. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. We learn to be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might through trials. Now there's a famous verse in 1 Corinthians 10, 13 that you guys know. And it says this, no temptation has taken you, overtaken you, such as is common to man. God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will provide a way to escape also uh, so that you may be able to endure it. Now, I just have a, a question and a statement on this one. Here's my question. Is that true? Is that true? You think it is? If that verse is true, you know, the, the Bible says every word of God is pure. And he's a shield to those who put our trust in him. The Bible says that God can't lie. He doesn't lie. You know, so if that verse is true, that means that there's nothing that you're going to ever go through in your life here on this planet that God isn't going to give you the ability to get through. Now, you know, I just thought of something else, so I'll just say it. But, uh... Sunday, last Sunday, Pastor Steve led a song. I don't even know what the name of it was. Lindsay did a really great job singing. Josh, who was playing the guitar, you know, her husband, or you know, his wife, uh, sorry about that, led, led uh, the song. But it, some of the words were this, grace upon grace, grace upon grace. You know, when you first met the Lord, if you're here today and you're a Christian, when you met the Lord, that's all you had. You had God's grace and, you're, and you recognized that you needed forgiveness of your sin. But you know what? Your life from that moment, step by step by step by step, God just keeps giving you grace upon grace upon grace. And one of the reasons he does that, one of the ways he does that is through getting you through the trials that you face. There's things that I could face today that I never would have been able to face when I first became a Christian. And, you know, it's just, it's just the way it works. It's just the way it works. God will never let you down. He never fails you. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. That's just the way it is. Um, so, anyhow, that was free. I wasn't planning on telling you that. Okay, uh, if all we ever had, if all we have was verse 2 and 3, i got to be honest with you. Maybe I'd be discouraged a little bit. Okay, if, uh, you know, if James said, all right, listen, here's what, um, here's what I'm going to tell you. Count it all joyful when you get all these trials, 
and you're going to get to endure through that. I might think, well, you know what? I, I guess, God, if that's what you want me to do, I guess I'll do that. But, geez, that seems like a hard road to toe. That's why I like verse 4. That's why I like verse 4. Verse 4 says this, Let endurance have its perfect result, that you will be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. You know, you know what God wants to do in your life? He wants to make you complete. And He wants you to lack nothing. That's the God that we serve. That's the God that we serve. He doesn't want you to lack anything, regardless of what you're facing and what you're going through. Um, God uses our trials to build a strong and righteous character. This is part of the maturing process. Part of the maturing process. Uh, we've been blessed in this church because of the, the, the teaching that we hear is good. Uh, it's just been amazing to hear Pastor Mike. I've been really enjoying the, the Love Not the World series. Okay, I don't know if you guys have been loving that or not, but a, a few weeks back he did a series on 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. And it says this there. It says, Love not the world or the things that are in the world. Remember? If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. Then it goes on to say this, And the world is passing away, but he who does the will of God abides forever. That's where we want to be. You want to do the will of God and abide forever, right? So, if we're going to do that, we can't love the world. Well, on your paper, I have written down 1 John chapter 2, verse 14. If we went back a few verses before that, it's kind of interesting. John there says this. He says, you know what? He, he writes to the children. There's the children, the fathers, and the young men. And it's a picture of maturity. All right. So he says to the children, I'm writing to you because you know the Lord. You, you know him. Okay. You know who he is. You know him. All right. Peter maybe would say it this way, like newborn babes earnestly desire the pure milk of the word so you can grow. Then John said to the fathers, he said, I'm writing to you because you've known him who's from the beginning. You're resting. You've matured and you rest in the Lord because you've been through battles and you've been through struggles and you've faced your trials and you know that your God is faithful. So you remain faithful. But he says this on your paper in 1 John 2.14. He says, I've written to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. Now, I just want to echo this. Last week when we were in this very room, uh, it was brought up, you know, two minutes with God. There was a booklet, you know, two minutes with God. And, and, and he kind of said, two minutes, what's two minutes with God going to get you? You know, and we need more than two minutes with God, don't we? See, the Bible says here that this man here that's maturing in the Lord, it says that it's the Word of God. It's the Word of God that causes him to be able to overcome the evil one. See, we'll never not love the world. And we'll never go through our trials in a way that is God-honoring if we're not doing it God's way. And we'll never know God's way if we don't follow the Word. All right? So that's why it's so important and such an encouragement to me and, and, and to my wife to be able to come and be amongst you guys and, and hear about God's Word. That's what it's all about. Well, let's go on. James 1.5 says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Well, this is what I wrote on my paper. Do you ever know what? Do, <laughs> do, yeah. do you ever not know what to do? You ever not know what to do? You ever been in a situation where that's been the case for you? How about when the phone rings and one of your kids is asking you a question? You know, I always am like listening in one ear 
And with whatever little part of my mind I can, I'm saying, God, help me to tell them something that's going to be correct that honors you in this situation, whatever it is that they're facing. See, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I was going to say this later, but I'll just say it now. You know what? If you don't know what to do, this is what your aim is for your life and for my life, to give God glory. His glory is our aim. Someone said it this way one time. You know why you were born? To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. I think there's some truth to that. We're here to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Without Jesus Christ, without the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in your life, you can't glorify God. With it in your life, what we want to do is mature into Him so that we can glorify Him more, moment by moment, each day of the week. You know, sometimes in our society what we tend to do is we, like, we think we can add Jesus to who we are. It doesn't work that way. I was a steel worker, okay? I was a steel worker. Well, here's the thing. I wasn't a steel worker that happened to be a Christian. I was a Christian that happened to be a steel worker. Sorry. And there's a big difference. There's a big difference. I worked with guys. Well, never mind. I don't want to go there. But, but there's a big difference. Here's what I want to share with you tonight. Okay? If you're here today, I don't know, doctor, lawyer, you know, garbage man, don't make any difference to me. doesn't matter. We all need the same Jesus. We all need him. And we all need to serve him. And if you're here tonight and you're a Christian, you'll serve him. That's what Christians do. That's what Christians do. But you know what? If you just try to add him to who you are, you're either not a Christian at all, or you're going to be certainly defeated in your life and ineffective. Ineffective. Um, so anyhow, let's go on. It says this in Ephesians 6.18. Uh, well, before we do that, let me look at this. It says, the Christian must rely on prayer, submission, and reliance to God. That's what we do as Christians, all right? We pray. You know, we could, we could open up our booklet again. I don't know if they wrote one two minutes, two minutes with God on prayer, but, you know, we need more than two minutes with him in that too, don't we? The real Christian realizes that if I'm going to be effective, I need to pray, and I have to have reliance on God. In Ephesians 6.18, I call it the forgotten part of the battle because a lot of people go through the believer's armor. We looked at that a little bit ago, and we stop at verse 17, and we don't get to verse 18. You know what? Even after I have all that armor on, look at what it says in verse 18. It says, it says with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. You know, uh, what, you know, somewhere else in the Bible it would say this. We get to, if you're a Christian, we go boldly before the throne of grace to receive mercy and help in time of need. Isn't that a great thing? Isn't that a great thing? God didn't say, you know what? Navigate it on your own. You're on your own. It's good. You, you know what? It would be good enough if he saved us, huh? We didn't even deserve that. We didn't even deserve that. It's our sin. That he died. You know, Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He gave his life for us. But he says, you know what? Not only am I going to save you from your sin, I'm going to be there in your struggles. I'll be there to help you through those situations that you face. I just think that's amazing. Uh, and you know what? One more thing. Look what it says here. Perseverance and petition of all the saints. If there happens to be a law in your battle, if you're not in a trial right now, and you say, you know what? Things are going pretty good right now. I kind of do feel like there's a buggy ride down Daisy Lane. You know what? Maybe your brother or your sister 
is going through a battle. Don't forget about them. We need one another. God's made us that way. That's why, well, that's another story, but I'm so thankful for the gadgets that are out there, and I know there's people that are home that, that can't be here because of lots of different situations, but as soon as you can get back, I could use the help, okay? All right, I'll take all the help I can get, so come on back, all right? Uh, we need each other. We need one another. That's how God made it, and, uh, and I just find that interesting, but... Uh, Proverbs 1.7 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Okay, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. I wrote down three things about that verse that I like to think about. Fear God because He's watching. You know what? He's watching. He knows what you're doing. He knows what's on the inside of your heart. He knows what you're thinking. Then it goes on to, or then I put this down. Don't sin because He hates it. Don't sin because He hates it. And then I put this down, don't take things into your own hands. We need to do things His way. When we're faced with trials and situations and problems in our life, and, and you know, for that matter, all the time, even when things are going good, we don't want to do it our own way, we want to do it His way if we're Christians, right? Um, so, here's a verse here, uh, Galatians 5, I was thinking about this one, it says, Walk by the Spirit, and you won't carry out the desires of the flesh. When you're faced with a situation in your life that's a struggle, what do you do? You say, hey, I'm a Christian. I'm going to walk by the Spirit and not give in to the flesh. You know what that's doing? You know what that verse is? That's clinging to Him and hating the things that are evil. That's what a Christian does because you're a new creation, a new person. Uh, let's go on. In James 1.6 it says this, let him, ask without faith, let, let him ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Asking in faith is trusting in a sovereign God. Without any doubting means not having stinking thinking. You ever have stinking thinking in your life? Uh, I have, okay. Well, we don't want to have stinking thinking if we're Christians. God's given us a whole book that gives us direction so that we don't have to have stinking thinking. We can be driven back to his word and choose to do the right thing. Um, but there's a quote that I heard here not long ago. It said this, Christians who live up to their name, okay, did you get that? Christians who live up to their name, I'm not talking about just anybody that walks in and says, hey, I'm a Christian. Okay, well, good. What's that mean? What's that mean you're a Christian? You know, one of the definitions of a Christian is little Christ. That would be, you know, but it's someone who believes, believes in Jesus Christ and follows what his teachings are. That's what a Christian is, okay? A Christian is someone who believes it and follows what he said. Well, listen to what this quote said. It said, they remain faithful to the Lord with a steadfast purpose. Real Christians remain faithful to the Lord with a steadfast purpose. So, I ask myself this question. Hey, Dave. You in the mirror, are you faithful? And what's your purpose? What's your purpose? I believe our purpose if we're Christians is this. His last command is our greatest concern. We need to go into the world and preach the gospel. We need to take it to people that don't know the Lord. Uh, because, you know, that's the most important thing uh, in my mind. But anyhow, i, I got to keep moving because I'm like way behind. But that's all right. We'll go with what we got, right? Romans 12.2 says this. This is a verse you all know. Romans 12.1 is where we give our body to the Lord. We come and we say, here's our body. You know, my, my, my body, my mind, my will. I'm giving all those things to you, God. Well, then in verse 2, he says this. 
Okay? Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. See, your mind is the battlefield. Your mind is the battlefield. You're faced with a trial in your life, a situation, whatever it is, and, and you think, uh-oh, this isn't good, and I need to do this. Well, you know what? We need to say, wait a minute. I need to do what God would want me to do. I need to do what He would want me to do. And uh, isn't it practical? You know, I told you, uh, you know, the lesson today, at least in my mind, it's kind of like the rubber meets the road type of a lesson. The, the, those are the ones that are the most important to me because I guess that's where I lived, all right, or that's where I live. I think that, you know, it doesn't do me any good to know a bunch of verses and, uh, you know, treat my wife poorly. You know, I want to do things God's way because I love God. And I think that's what real believers do. And I think that's, you know, and I think it's easy, you know, if you're here, you know, and you're a real believer, it's easy to get off track with that, isn't it? We need to be reeled in a little bit sometimes and say, wait a minute, I need to do what God wants me to do in my life. Well, anyway, Psalm 62, 2 says this, He only is my rock and my salvation. He's my stronghold and I shall not be shaken. I should not be greatly shaken. So I wrote this down. I wrote a question down to me. But I'm going to share it with you guys in case, you know, since you happen to be here. Okay, here's, the, here's my question. Hey, Dave, do you really believe that God can pull you from the pit of your sin, save you from hell through Jesus Christ, give you heaven as your home, and somehow not be able to get you through the trials you face here in life? Do you really believe that? You know... That's even silly to say, isn't it? God can somehow pull me from the pit of my sin, save me from it through His Son, Jesus Christ. Give me a home in heaven. If He can do all that for me, He can certainly take care of the situations that I face here on earth while I'm waiting to get there. Um, all right. James 1, 7 and 8 says this, For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. What man? The man that's driven and tossed by the wind. This is a picture of an unstable mind, man whose mind is divided by the world and God. Double-minded equals hypocrites. Sometimes they're okay with the God stuff, but when trials come, they fail the test. I put on your paper there uh, a famous verse from Joshua. It says, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You guys have all seen that. You probably have it hanging in your house somewhere. Okay, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And, and that's a good thing. That's a nice thing to have there. But Joshua, you know, what he was doing, he was dealing with people that should have been serving God. And what they were doing was wanting to mix pagan religions with, with, with biblical, with what God's word would say. And that doesn't work. You can't do that. We don't mix things together. Like we've heard in Sundays, you can't take the world. We're called out of the world. Okay? We're called to live a holy life if we're Christians. You don't take the things of God and mix them with the world. That'll never work. That'll never work. Well, uh, Paul said it this way in Philippians. I like this. He has a whole list of things that he could have said. You know what? Look at all these things that are on my list that I could say I was good at. He says, you know what? I count all those things as rubbish. Those things mean nothing to me. You know why? In Philippians 3.10 he said this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Paul, said, Paul knew what he was signing up for, didn't he? He said, you know what? I'm willing to suffer for Christ. I'm willing to suffer for him. You know what? Paul, Paul did suffer. You know what? They killed him. They killed him. 
In fact, they killed James. They killed James, the one that wrote these verses. Those are trials, all right? Those are situations that are, that are tough, but you know what? It was worth it. It was worth it because they were serving the God. that They went to their eternal home. What a blessing. What a blessing. You know what? This is what I think of when I think of those verses. I think of these are the problems that we have in America. You know, we're all rich in here, all of us. But these are the problems that we have in America. Well, someone might make fun of me at work. Or, you know, what's, it, what's my, my neighbor's going to think I'm a religious fanatic? You know, I think, I think if Joshua were here, I think if Joshua were here, this is what he would say to me. Maybe he would say it to you. He would say, hey, Dave, choose this day whom you're going to serve. As for me, I'm serving the Lord. Who are you serving? And, uh, and, and, and if that comes across brash, I apologize. I don't mean it that way. I, I, just, I just mean that I do think we need to be real in what we believe. Okay, I need to move on. James 1, 9, and 10 says this. Let the brother of hum humble circumstances glory in his high position. Let the rich man glory in his humiliation. Because like flowering grass, he will pass away. Your, your notes say this. Trials have a way of making us all equal. When things are outside of our control, we become more dependent upon the Lord. Maybe that's the best place for us to be at times, isn't it? When we're totally dependent on Him. Regardless of financial status, Christians are totally dependent on God. True riches are only found in Jesus Christ and an obedient walk to Him. Mark 8.36 says this, For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his own soul? You know what? Everyone that's in here, Regardless, I don't know your financial status. It's none of my business. It's none of my business. That, uh, but, you know, if you don't know where your next meal is going to come from this week, or if you're a businessman that has all kinds of money, you know what? If you're a Christian, we all met God at the same place. You know where we met Him? Bankrupt at the foot of the cross, unable to pay for our own sins. That's where you made it. That's where you met Him. That's where you met Him. Bankrupt. Unable to pay for your own sins with nothing to offer. And he said, you know what? I'll give you my son. My son, Jesus Christ. And, you know, there's two whosoevers in the Bible. Did you know that? There's two whosoevers. In John 3.16, it says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever... That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life that's a pretty neat thing huh you don't have to perish you can have everlasting life in John 3 19 a few verses later it said this men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil they agape loved darkness rather than God's son Jesus Christ because their deeds were evil if you go to the last verse in that chapter, verse th or last verse is verse 36 of chapter 3. After John, it says, it says this. Um, he who has the Son has life. He who does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. So your belief better be a belief that means you're following what he said. If not, you got the wrong belief. Now there's another whosoever in the Bible. In the book of Revelation, it says this. It says, whosoever's name was not found written in the Lamb's book of life was cast in the lake of fire. Now, I'm not the smartest guy on earth. In fact, I'm not very smart at all. But I know this. 
it's pretty important that you and I know which whosoever we are. You think? Are you the whosoever that's embraced? The Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world? Are you the whosoever that doesn't have your name found written in the Lamb's Book of Life? See, there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. If you're here today and you're a Christian, you don't have to hang on too tight to this world because everything that you want is already in heaven. Your Father's there. We pray to our Father who art in heaven. Jesus is there. Your brothers and sisters in Christ that have already died, they're there. Your name is there because it's written there. Your citizenship is there. All right, we don't, you know, we're just strangers and aliens here. We're pilgrims that are passing through. If you're a Christian, your home is in heaven. In fact, your home is in the Father's house. In the Father's house are many dwelling places. I don't think, it doesn't get much better than that. There's not a house in Dixon as nice as that. Okay, we're going to be in the Father's house. In fact, the Bible says this to the Christian. He says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has even entered into the heart of man all that God has prepared for those that love him. Isn't that amazing? I think that's amazing. I think it's amazing. But you know what? I don't like to say it, but you have to say it. You have to say it. Heaven's a great place for those that are going there. But there's a hell to shun, too. And the Bible says that that's a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth where the fire is not quenched and the worm dieth not. So you don't want to go there. And neither do I. Neither do I. And we have the opportunity through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved from our sin and set free to follow Him. What a joy. And you know what? If you're here today and you say, I enjoy that, well, you know what? Then what we need to do is share that message with the people around us so that they don't have to go there either. Make sense? Isn't that what the Christian life's about? My problems become smaller in light of, in light of who He is. Um, all right, I need to go on. Uh, Proverbs 22.2 says this, The rich and the poor have, the same, have this in common. God is the maker of, uh, maker of them all. In James 1.11 it says this, The sun rises with a scorching wind and withers the grass, and the flower falls off, and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. So too the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. Regardless of your material possessions, life is short and you can't take your earthly possessions with you. Isaiah 48 says this, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the Word of God stands forever. Uh, that just seems to me, if that's true, if that verse is true, we should use everything that we have. Everything, we should recognize that everything we have is a gift from God and then use it for His glory. Doesn't that free us up? That doesn't that, you know, I don't have to keep everything. I can just use it for His glory. What a blessing. What a blessing that that is for you and for me. Um, let me go. i got to go fast, okay? Uh, in James 4.14, it says this, You do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. For the Christian, that's a good thing. We already talked about that. James 1.12, it says this, Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. True joy and happiness is found in holding up through reliance on God under trials. Perseverance means never giving up and holding on to God through whatever painful trials you face. Approved means passing the test you have endured for God's glory. Paul said it this way in 2 Timothy. He said, I finished the course, I kept the faith, and he will receive the crown along with all those who are longing and waiting for Christ's return. 
You've heard it said here lots of times, come Lord Jesus. Are you longing and waiting for the return of Christ? I had, a bunch, I had some other stuff I wanted to share, but let me just share this with you because I, I, I think we're out of time. So let me share this with you and uh, we'll go from there, okay? Um, in 1967, a girl was enjoying a beautiful day. She's enjoying a beautiful day. And she was on a dock at a lake and she decided to jump in and go for a swim. Well, when she jumped in, that all went good until she hit her head. And when she surfaced to the surface of the water, she had become a paraplegic. And since 1967, she's been living in a wheelchair. Now, at first, as a young girl, she shook her fist at God. Do you ever do that? Is there ever a time in your life you shook her fist at God? She said, oh, God, why me? I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this. Well, time went on. That didn't seem to help her situation much. So time went on and some well-meaning people that, that uh, you know, some well-meaning people took her to some quote-unquote faith healers, uh, the, you know, the charlatans of our day, and took, her, took them there. And, you know, she looked around and they said, well, you know, if you just have enough faith, if you muster up enough faith, all your problems will go away. They'll all go away. Well, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. Well, almost like we read earlier in our notes, or earlier in my notes, you know, she finally got to praying, and she finally got to submitting, and she finally got to understanding that she needed to rely on God. And when that happened, Jesus Christ changed her life. And Johnny Erickson Tata, you know the name, you've heard the story, started a ministry it's reached across the world. But I love two of her quotes after she became a Christian and has wheeled around with him. We walk by faith. I guess she wheels by faith, huh? Well, after wheeling with him for a long time, you know what she said? This is what she said. I wouldn't trade this wheelchair for anything. I wouldn't trade this wheelchair for anything because it's what helped to bring her into a close walk and relationship with the Savior. You know what else she said? I really like this. She said, the first thing I plan to do on resurrected legs is to drop on grateful, glorified knees. To drop on grateful, glorified knees. You know what? I think that's where we should live. I find that convicting. That's convicting to me. You know, I hope that I can get to the point in my life where when I see Jesus, you know, you know everybody in here, every single person in here, one day every knee is going to bow. That's yours and mine. We're all going to bow our knees. And every tongue in here is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I want to do that because I love him, not because he forces me to do it. And uh, isn't that good? Isn't that not, not, you know, not my story? My story's not good. Isn't it good that God allows us to do that? He allows us to do that. i got to say this. I had a whole thing I wanted to share. Maybe next time. Uh, that'll be where I go. Maybe that's why I, why I did. But in case you're here today and you say, you know what? That's easy for you to say. That's easy for you to say. You don't know the, the situation I'm facing right now. You don't know the pain I'm in, the struggle I'm facing. It isn't easy. Well, let me tell you where I go. I don't know if this will help you or not, but this is where I go. I go to Psalms 121. Because this is what it says there. It says, I will lift my eyes to the hills. From where shall my help come? 
My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will never, never slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not smite you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. The Lord will guard your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Isn't that good? You know what? If you're going through a struggle today, tomorrow, or next week, whenever you get there, just look to the hills. Look to the hills. And, and submit and ask God, submit and ask God to help you honor Him through your situation. Uh, with that, I just want to say thank you for the opportunity, and uh, and and you can pray for me. I want to live these things out in my life. I'll take all the prayer I can get, okay? And I'll pray for you, huh? Maybe together, maybe together, we can muster up the energy to uh, honor God because He's certainly worthy of it, isn't He? When we think of all He's done for us, so let's pray. I want to thank Lori. Who, uh, no wonder, my, you know what, Mike, between Lori and my wife, they, they, my wife helped keep me straight, and, and uh, so I appreciate it. Thank you for all your help. But let's pray, and then we can get out of here, okay? Lord, I just thank you so much for the opportunity there is to know you. Lord, I thank you that you don't just save us from our sin, but you keep us, and you care about us. And, you know, we come to you in the beginning restless, and we come to you to find rest, and we get that. You restore our soul. I thank you, God, that through the struggles that we face and the temptations and the situations that come into our life, we can stand strong through you. Help us to rely on your spirit, God, and on your word that we might honor you in our lives. I just pray, God, that uh, if I shared anything that didn't make sense to someone, that it would just, uh, they'd put that on their mind. But your word, your word, the parts where you speak to us, and you tell us to count it all joy. And the fact that we can do that because there's going to be a crown of life for us one day. We just are so thankful for that. Help us to honor you and be grateful that you didn't leave us defenseless. And we give you the glory for it all in Jesus' name. Amen.